Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And And you're you're about about to to get get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 64 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders, episodes 35 through 38, where Polnareff finally faces off against his sister's killer, the man with two right hands. You know, don't get confused by his hands. They're both right. You get it? Yeah. Because neither one of them is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Let's jump in. Oh my god. If we have any listeners left, we just lost them. (laughs) Anyways, hey everybody. What's going on? Um, um, so, uh, a couple of things, uh, just like quick housekeeping notes. Um, first and foremost, at the end of this month, uh, if you are in the Portland area, um, we are going to be going to KamariCon. Um, we are going to be interviewing a couple of awesome voice artists while they're there. Um, we're going to be announcing, uh, who that lineup that we're going to have access to is on the next episode, I think, as long as I Yeah, get we just the, got our press pass soon. information we just got our press pass information in this week, like mm-hmm. within the last two or three days. So all that other stuff is forthcoming, but either way, it's going to be really exciting. We're going to be there as press. I'm hoping that we'll see lots of people in cosplay and we can get some fun pictures. Yeah. Um, we're definitely I don't think either pictures. of us is going to be in cosplay because we're not that prepared, but uh, you know, next time. Also, if you want to come to this, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's our normal disguise. Um, if you want to come to this, you uh, but you don't know what exactly we're saying or how to find it, it is K-U-M-O-R-I-C-O-N, Kumori Khan. That is in the Portland area. It's the last weekend in October, which is right before Halloween. So it's a really good time to dress up and be super nerdy with a lot of people that like anime. And we're super excited about it. Yeah. Um, so if you uh, if you have questions after we announce who we're going to be interviewing, please let us know. Um, also, let us know if you're going to be down there. Um, also, if you come and talk to us uh, during AmeriCon, we might have a little bit of swag for you. So that's yeah. cool. Um, which is like kind of the first swag of the show, as far as I remember. Um, yeah. Which is exciting. So get pumped. Yeah. That's yeah. coming up. Yeah. Okay, um, so we're going to go ahead and jump in because I have a lot to say about these JoJo Bizarre Adventure episodes. Um, sure, uh, that's but, fine with me. Uh, I would say the uh, last housekeeping before we get going is um, Tenants re-release. There are now two updated episodes out. You can still watch the all the old episodes that are going to remain up, but episode two of season one has now been released. If you want to see what changes we've made... Um, or if you just want to take a walk down memory lane because you've watched it before, go check it out. It's very good. Season two episode or season one episode two is also where the set and actors change a little bit. So you'll if you haven't watched it before, you'll notice a difference from the pilot. That's because we shot the rest of season one about a year later and got everything in order from that. So it's still good. It's actually really quite funny, and I would check it out if I were you because it's awesome and I'm very proud of it. And so is Spencer and okay, let's talk about anime. Anyways, um, so let's, uh, previously on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, crazy shit went down, you guys. Um, So, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, it's an anthology series, we're in the third season, which means the third sequence, uh, we're dealing with the grandson of Part 2's protagonist, who was the 
son or grandson or nephew or something of part one's protagonist. And uh, so we're a couple generations deep and the world has changed somewhat. The heroes used to fight vampires using an ability called Hamon, which was basically generic energy powered by life force and breath. Nowadays, this has warped into stands, which are much cooler and more interesting. They are basically ghostly uh, familiars that have various unique abilities. And so... Our villain from part one, Dio, was a guy who was kind of a sadist already, but then he became a vampire and tried to take over the world and kill Jojo and his family. He has a huge grudge against Jojo's descendants and wants to wipe them out, and that's kind of his game here. He has been resurrected recently, and because he was a disembodied head, he had to find a body, but because he was a vampire, he didn't die. He was able to find the body of the original Jojo, and by fusing his vampire energies with the Joe Starline's energies, he has developed what's called a stand. And it's also insinuated that this event kind of jump-started stands across the world. It's a little unclear, but uh, whatever, they're cool enough, we're going to hand-wave that. So Dio's out to get the JoJo's, and uh, he wants to kill them before they make it to him, so he has a seemingly never-ending list of assassins with different stand abilities coming to attack them. Meanwhile, our heroes are making their way from Japan to um, Egypt, and they're doing it mostly by boat and train and bus because when they started, they tried a plane and that didn't work. The plane went down because of a stand user fight. So they don't want to endanger innocent civilians any more than they have to. And they also don't want to die in a plane crash. So they are taking it by land and sea. And that means it's taking a while. They need to get there within a specific time frame because of some stuff that's not super important. So we're not going to completely cover it. But the people that are traveling are our main character, Jojo, who is, again, fourth or fifth generation from the original protagonist. He has a stand that can punch really fast and is super strong. Um, and he's not going to use it a lot in these episodes, unfortunately. But uh, his grandfather's here, and his stand is called Purple Hermit. And it allows him to break a camera in order to get a picture of the future. <laughs> Not the most efficient or cost-effective stand ability, but there it is. Uh, it also has a couple other abilities that we really haven't seen um, before that we're going to see today. Um, and then they're traveling with Avdol, which is like an old friend of Jojo Sr. He is a dude from Egypt. He has had a run-in with Dio in the past, but ran away to protect his life. And his stand is called Magician's Red. It's a kind of bird-human monster that controls fire. And we're also not really going to see anything out of that this episode. Um, the last two people traveling with them are Kakyoin, which is a student around Jojo's age. He originally showed up as an antagonist, but he was being mind-controlled by a uh, by Dio, and they were able to remove their mind control. His stand is called Hierophant Green, and it's basically super fast. It can kind of slither and change its shape a little bit. And um, it also has the ability to shoot out like a machine gun bullet spray of diamonds. And then uh, the last guy is Polnareff. And Polnareff is a Frenchman. He also showed up as a mind-controlled villain and was freed. His ability is, or his stand is called Silver Chariot, which is a dude in armor that has super fast swordsmanship. You can also expel the armor to get way faster. 
Um, Polnareff and Kakuin are going to be our main heroes this episode, um, but we're first going to start off with a Kakuin Jojo story, and that's going to be leading on from last episode where we learned that Kakuin might actually be a villain after all. Yeah, this episode, um, this episode is at some points very difficult to watch. <laughs> yeah, uh, mostly this because... was a weird one. It it almost felt like filler based yeah. on the episodes before and after it. It's not. It's just a. It's kind of a way off day off adventure that they have in in a ways. Yeah, so this episode is called uh, episode thirty-five, Yellow Temperance. Um, so we uh, we first start out with uh, with JoJo wandering around with Kakyoin and also this small girl that she doesn't matter. Uh, don't worry about her. She she's, finally uh, gets a name right before she's written out. <laughs> yes, exactly. So they're walking around, and uh, the first thing that happens is this little girl is going to like go up to this stand and. Um, She's going to be like, uh, a, hey. A stand where people are selling things, not a oh, mystical, yeah. powerful being. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, she's like, hey, I want to go ahead and uh, buy some, I think she wants like ice cream or something. And he's like, yeah. uh, he's like, why would you want that when you can have this cold uh, coconut water? And I was like, because I don't know if ice had- cream is better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I don't know if you've ever had coconut water, but it is no ice cream. Um, yeah, it's anyways. fine, but it doesn't beat ice cream. You yeah. might disagree, but you are in the minor- minority here. I yeah. think they, I think they take him up on it because none of them have had coconut water, and it feels exotic. So it makes sense, but ice cream is better. Yeah. Anyways, so while they're there, Kakuin is going to have his wallet taken by this guy, and Kakuin is going to act super out of character, and instead of just getting his wallet back with Hierophant Green, he is going to just catch this guy and then beat the Christ out of him. Um, Wait a second. I just realized something. He uses Hierophant Green. Oh, yeah. They never talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, so... That shouldn't be possible. We'll get into that in a second. Um, yeah, he beats the shit out of this dude. It looks like he's going to kill him, and JoJo stops him. He starts breaking have... his back! Yeah, and, and so says, JoJo gonna, and Kakuin... He, he says, I'm going to make you explode your intestines out of your stomach, is what he says. Wow, I must him. have been looking away from the screen on that line, because... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so he's going to kill him. I mean, you know, usually when your intestines explode out of your abdomen, you die. Uh, it's usually a good idea to keep those things inside if you can yeah. help it. But as so, we're going to learn from this episode, sometimes you get your face cut in half and you still have the ability to run away. <laughs> so. Yeah. So there's also going to be some rhinoceros beetles. And this is kind of random. They're sort of swarming around something that I thought was going to be relevant, but it wasn't. But yeah. uh Fun fact, if you guys don't know this, some kids run over and they're super fucking pumped about these rhinoceros beetles, which is fair because rhinoceros beetles are huge, cool creatures. But uh, this is where Pokemon comes from. Uh, Collecting and uh, documenting bugs is a huge pastime in Japan. Uh, This this can also be seen in a more modern Pokemon ripoff called Yokai Watch. Uh, this starts with them looking for bugs and he finds yokai. Pokemon was created based on the idea, uh, partially at least, of capturing monsters and logging their data 
in a similar way that children in Japan will go look for bugs and catch them or at least mark that they've seen them. Um, so I thought it was cool that this showed up here. It's kind of a cultural thing that we don't really have here in um, the Western, uh, like the United States and other Western countries. And so I thought that was really cool. Uh, Kakulin then proceeds to eat some of the rhinoceros beetles because he's being as creepy as possible. Yeah. So this girl that they're with, uh, she's going to get upset by this, but she's going to be like, no, 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 it's fine. He's not acting crazy at all. Everything's fine. Nothing yeah, she crazy is it about to happen. No reason. She's visibly shaken, and Jojo sees that, and he's like, "What's wrong?" And she's like, "Nothing." <laughs> Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she definitely hand waves her way out of that one. Um, yeah. Hey, do you want to talk about cherries for a second? Oh my god. So here's the other thing. <laughs> you know how they were gonna get ice cream earlier, and then they didn't get ice cream because coconut water is better for some reason by this stand. Um, no. turns out instead they just also get ice cream and then, um, Kakuene, or we might find out that Kakuene is not Kakuene, is going to eat a cherry in the grossest way that he can think of. He's yeah, like, he's gonna take the cherry and put it on his tongue and then do this, like, tongue lolling movement at super speed with his tongue bouncing all around back and forth at the at the opening of his mouth with his mouth wide open and the cherry bouncing on it while he says the word lick in rapid succession yep it's so upsetting yep he does it he does it for so long too like right when you're thinking oh this has got to be over in a second it's still happening and you're just like no way it could keep on going, and it's still happening! It's just like, what the yeah. fuck is happening in this episode? And also, it's who was like, yeah, this so is going to be a really cool character moment. I'm going to build this in. I'm going to have this happen right now. By the way, later on in the episode, Kakuin is going to do it again, but not... The real Kakuin <laughs> this time. Oh, yeah. We For should talk real. about that. So, um... yeah. Well, we're going to find that out right now, because JoJo's had it with Kakuin's shit and tells him to fuck the fuck right off by getting into the cable car, because they're at a cable car station, and leaving. I don't... I think JoJo is telling him to leave permanently here, and is basically like, I'm done with you, you should go and go on your way by yourself. That's kind of the impression that I got, because otherwise it's not really clear what they're doing at this station, um, Kakuin says some shit and Jojo punches him in the face and Kakuin's jaw subsequently starts to unhinge as the skin around his face tears and he looks like a zombie monster and it's horrifying. Yeah. This, this is also immediately after Kakuin visibly grows larger. Yeah. He eats, he eats some things and then grows larger. Um, there's going to be some weird That's stuff. That's actually going to be a theme in these next episodes. Yeah. So, what we're going to find out is Kakuin isn't really Kakuin. He is uh, a stand user, uh, with which has a stand that can wrap around his body and make him look like different things. It's called yeah, Yellow stand, Temperance. It's basically yellow ooze. It's like a yellow gelatinous creature that can form itself into different shapes. Yeah, if you're wondering like what this is like, uh, go and watch the original Power Rangers movie and look at Ivan Ooze. Um, it's basically... That's a great idea. The original Power Rangers movie is a campy delight. <laughs> Anyways, Ivan Ooze uh, is going to get into a fight with Joseph Sostar. Um, 
Jotaro. Sorry. I wish I could remember one of the like campy fucking things that Ivan Ooze says. I'm, I don't think he says it, but he should be like, you ooze when he wins a fight. <laughs> except, uh. except he would say it in that voice of Ivan Ooze where he's just like, you ooze. He's the he's like one of the all time great like scenery chewing performances. I, oh my I don't God. care what you think. The Power Rangers movie is fucking fun. It's not good, but it's really fun. Man, I watched it probably a year ago, and those graphics yeah. do not hold up when he turns into oh a, like, one of one of no. the bug things. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the movie's fine. It it looks super dated, but it it looks fine for the era that it's in. But then they have the CG monsters and the cg zord is, is it zords yeah the zords at the end the i always get zords. confused between that and zoids um but yeah it's zords and they look atrocious that <laughs> yes. cg does not hold up it's real bad anyways so um there is going what to be about? <laughs> so there's going to be a fight between yellow temperance and jojo really quick um he's going to get a little bit of the yellow temperance on his hand and he's going to find out that it's going to slowly try to um, like rip apart inside of his body and uh, take over his body. So in normal fashion, he tries to kill it with fire. And then when mm-hmm. it doesn't die by fire, he's going to uh, take an ice cream uh, from a little kid on a different cable car after ripping the door off of it with a stand. And then he's going to try to kill it with ice. And when she tries to kill it with ice, it stabs into him with spines. And then this woman that's sitting on this other cable car is all of a sudden going to be the fucking stand user with yellow temperance. How did he get in this other cable car? Like, yeah, because he he went away in a different cable car that was going in the other direction, and like, it doesn't seem like it's been. We don't see the other station, so it doesn't seem like it's been long enough for him to have transferred state like to a car going the other way. And there are these other two people in it who turn out to be normal people, and they're not acting like she showed up out of nowhere at all. And. Oh, no. it, Whatever, it's just a hand wave moment, and yep. so uh, Yellow Temperance is the worst, that's all I'm going to say about it, and then JoJo's like, well, uh, Yellow Temperance is basically like, you can't beat me, and it's pretty true, there is no way for JoJo to punch his way through the gel, uh, he tries to punch it with his stand, and it just encases his stand's um, arm in goo, which causes JoJo's real arm to burn, because... Uh, I forgot to establish this, but usually when a stand sustains an injury, the stand user also sustains an, sustains an injury. Stand users need to be conscious and in good health to use their stands. That's a super important element of the entire story and is going to be super relevant today. So JoJo decides that because he can't punch it, because he can't hurt it, and because he can't get rid of it, the only thing to do is to kill the stand user directly. So he drags him into the water below. No, he doesn't drag him into the water below. What he does is punch his way through the fucking bottom of the train car and then, like, grab onto him and jump into the water with him. And right after this, they're going to be like, oh, we've fallen into water. For some reason, he can go deep enough in order to, like, drown him, but... 
He also can stand the fuck up. How is Jojo able to stand up in the water? And if you're thinking, well, he's just, like, kicking in the water and holding himself up by, like, treading water, his arms are, like, folded, and he's, like, half of his legs are out of the water. It's like... He's being held up by the sheer power of his shonen hero-ness. It's just fucking... This is this whole episode is bonkers crazy. And so yeah. instead of like killing the stand user, he's going to punch him a couple of times and then he's just going to kind of let him go and the stand user is going to be like, "Oh, I've noticed that there's some crayfish over there by this uh opening to this sewer." So I'm going to yeah, go he's over talk here. Yeah, a lot of shit about the crayfish and they're not <laughs> going to be important at all. <laughs> well, he's eaten some crayfish to great get back his strength is what he's done. <laughs> These living crayfish that he's he's crumbled in his Ivan Oozness. Um, anyways, yeah. so he's going to attack before Jojo. He, actually, before he does that, he thinks he's beaten. The, so the stand user is a coward. And essentially, he, when he thinks he has the upper hand, he talks a lot of shit. As soon as he thinks things have turned around, he gives up. And he gives up like two or three times during the episode and then thinks he has the upper hand and changes his mind again. During one of the sequences where he's given up right before this crawfish thing, he's like, hey, uh, I have all this information that I'm going to just dump on you guys to give you a little bit of a boost on your trip. One, there is a witch lady who is able to sort of spy on stand users, and that's how Dio knows everything you guys can do and why he's able to send such effective uh, stand users against you uh, and is able to sort of arm them with the information of what your stand does. Because that's that's one of the biggest tensions in a stand fight, is you have to figure out what your opponent can do before you can figure out how to beat them. And so all of Dio's assassins are coming preloaded with that information on Jojo and his partners. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, he tells them specifically about Centerfold, which is somehow this guy's first name. Yep. And this is the dude with two right hands, we learned about him, I think, the last time we covered this. Um, our The guy, Polnareff, who is not in this episode, but will be in the next episodes we're about to cover, is the French guy with the sword user, and he is um, on the hunt for a guy with two right hands because that guy killed his sister way back in the day, and his lifelong mission is to find this dude and bring him to vengeance. So we're going to learn about his name and that he is one of the... Uh, he is indeed one of Dio's assassins, and uh, then we're going to see some crayfish. Yeah, and then he is going to, instead of letting him go the second time, he's just going to catch him with uh, platinum, and uh, he is going to throw him in the water and kill him, basically. Uh, then he goes back yeah. along his merry way, and we don't pay attention to this. Anyways, let's get into this next episode. It's going to be a two-parter, uh, so be aware that episode 36 and 37 are The Emperor and the Hanged Man Part 1 and Part 2. So I'm just going to go ahead um, and let you know that we're we're not going to break in between this. We're just going to tell the whole story of this. And I will say that these two episodes are two of the best episodes that we've watched of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure so far. Um, they are they, very good. They go very well to together they give fucking consequences to things which jojo's bizarre adventure almost never fucking does um and uh, state consequences but rarely follow through yeah but these episodes are really fantastic and they deal with uh two characters um that have different stand abilities uh that we're gonna find out are are two really cool different stand abilities 
Um, and yeah, uh, I liked both of these a lot. Also, it's worth noting that this is going to be a little more climactic than a lot of the fights because we're almost done. Uh, we've got 36 and 37. We'll also be covering 38 today. And then next week, or not next week, but uh, four weeks from now, there are four more episodes, 39 through 42, or maybe that's five, 39. No, that's, it's four more episodes. And, um, that's going to be the end of Stardust Crusaders. So we're, we are speeding into the end game and it starts to kind of feel like it in these episodes. Yeah. So, uh, the first thing that's going to happen is that they're going to get to India. Uh, there's going to be some racist stuff that's going to happen pretty quickly. Um, yeah, this was uncomfortable. Yeah. So they play the people in India as everybody is begging for money all the time and there's too many people there. Um, it's, it's like, uh, this is, this is a little bit uncomfortable because of the way that they're forming Calcutta. Um, I have heard that it's that there's supposed to be a lot of oh my god I'm sorry I this is I have just gotten two calls in quick succession from two different people this is really annoying and trying to record anyway <laughs> I've heard that there are indeed a lot of people begging and sort of trying to provide any service for some sort of comp- compensation in India uh, I haven't been myself but there there is probably a little truth to this. But it feels a little overdone, and the way that the characters remark about it is feels like it takes it to a place that's a little insensitive. So just yeah. uh, beware of that, well, viewers. Uh, this is not the way to treat other cultures. Yeah, and, and also there's we'll get into be- the story. <laughs> There's going to also be a part where um, Paul Nerf is going to go to the bathroom, and inside of the bathroom there is a pig that is, uh, apparently his food is eating other people's shit, which is also seems a little insensitive to pigs. Um, so, uh, they're and, gonna... and kind of bank shot insensitive, I think, to Entian culture. Like, I'm pretty sure they're not feeding their livestock human shit. Yeah. Shit, not... I could be wrong. I don't know, but I, I don't think so. And I don't think a, an animal would live very well off of that either. Yeah, especially not an animal that's probably intended to be eaten by humans later. <laughs> oh, circle of life. <laughs> yeah, that's how the circle of life works. Mm-hmm. It moves us all <laughs> through despair and hope. Yeah, yeah, in the path unwinding. Um. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Um, so, uh, we are going to, um, after, after this is going to happen, we're going to cut away from this, um, and we're going to find out all about, uh, this character named the Emperor. Um, he is going to be meeting up. Oh, wait, wait, does, does the, the first attack happens in the bathroom first? Anyways, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So. Paul gets attacked in the bathroom through a mirror. Um, he, like, freaks out, um, about it and attacks the mirror and he's like, oh, I must have just, like you know not really known um what was happening and i may they, have just not been paying attention uh they learned that the they learned that the two right-handed man has an ability that relates to mirrors so mm-hmm. this has triggered Polnareff to to realize that they are in the same place with this guy and he is going to go on his vengeance mission so nothing really happens in this bathroom attack other than a little bit of tension building but it it leads Polnareff to declare that he is going to go off by himself on his own personal mission of vengeance. And th- this is actually a really common anime trope is that this is personal for me. So nobody butt in or I'm going to go do this on my own. And um, the other characters don't take to this very well. 
Um, specifically Avdol, he's like, you need to not go because you're definitely going to die. And mm-hmm. you're kind of, you're running off and being really emotional, but you need to take this seriously. And Polnareff pretty much won't hear it. And basically, I think Jojo Sr. sort of sides with Polnareff and lets him go. Um, I I think more because he doesn't feel like they're going to be successful in changing Polnareff's mind than because he agrees with him. But uh, essentially, Polnareff's going to run off on his own to try and confront the uh, his sister's killer. Yeah. Um, so the next thing that's going to be happening inside of this episode is going to be a cutaway um, to what seems like a completely different story all of a sudden. Um, there's going to be in char- uh, a character that's riding on the back of an elephant through the middle of a desert. Um, he is going to be accompanied by a young woman. Um, he's going to get off of the elephant um, and kind of say goodbye to her, even though she's like, like tearfully telling him that she doesn't want to be away from him. Um, she ran away from some sort of like, I don't know. It seems like she's a princess or something. Um, and she yeah, ran away. She's also with this explicitly guy. 16. Mm-hmm. And this, at least on the surface reads like a crucial reason why this guy's not interested because she's too young. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's, it kind of turns out that he was manipulating her basically. And, um, and that's because not. he, <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of felt like a retcon to me, yeah. uh, but we'll get to that later. So the, the little girl is going to run. She's going to, she's going to leave because the guy's like, we can't be together, but every once in a while I'll come and give you a sensuous hug and that'll make us both happy. Yeah. And she's like, okay. So she leaves, and then the dude's going to turn around. Um, his name is Hall Horse, H-O-L. I don't know if it's Hall or Hole or whatever. Um, but he is going to talk to another guy who has two right hands. What do you know? And we're not going to see this other guy's face. Um, not because it's a big reveal, it turns out, but just because they're not going to do his face yet. Um, Hole Horse specifically it actually is a said, reveal. It is a real, it's, there's a thing. Well, yeah, that's true. It's just, it's not a reveal in the sense that it's someone we know and we're going to be shocked by it. But, uh, yeah, there will be a little bit of a reveal involved. So I get, that's fair. So, um, so Hull Horse, he, he has kind of like a blonde mullet and he looks kind of like a cowboy type and they're going to, they're going to lean into Western movies for a second in a little bit. And it's pretty cool. Um, he is partnered up with Centerfold, who, and he says specifically that um, his stand is Emperor. Centerfold's stand is called Hanged Man, and the com- combination of the two of them should be able to kill all of JoJo and his friends. Mm-hmm. And then there's a really sweet sequence with a cobra. It's totally random, but it does a really good job of showing off for a second the two abilities that these guys guys have, and it's it's really cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah, so this this cobra is going to come out, and for no reason is going to jump, try to strike both of them. I don't know why Shouldn't this cobra is India. so pissed off. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he pulls out his stand, which is a gun that shoots a bullet that he can control. Um, and yeah, it makes then, me think about that RN car, the wolf guy. Oh yeah, that's oh man, back when bleach is good. Um, and yeah. also there's uh hangman. We're going to find out he can attack things if they have a reflection through the reflection. 
Um, and we're just going to see this, this blade go a bunch of times. It'll move a whole bunch of times inside of the reflection. And then all of a sudden it looks like there's nothing around the snake, but the snake bursts into a bunch of different pieces. Um, yeah. then we're going to, uh, cut to, um, uh, the two different, oh, sorry, the four different characters are split off into two different groups. Um, you have, uh, Paul Nareff who has run off. Um, he is being chased by Avdol. Um, and also, uh, to does, a lesser extent, Kakuave. Um, yeah, they're, gonna they're follow. both out looking for him. They, so they're not chasing him in the sense that he is running from them directly. Mm. They're chasing him in that they're trying to track him down because they disagree with him going off on his own. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Jojo and Jojo Sr. are going to be running around not being as good at figuring out where people are. Um, anyways, yeah. um, so the first thing that's going to happen is that they are going to be cornered. Polnareff is going to be drawn into this fight, um, which is going to become more and more intense for him. Um, he is being mocked by the, uh, man with two right hands by the hanged man. The Stan, um, is attacking him through the, the reflections of this, uh, this, uh, window that's hanging on the side of this like alleyway that they're in. Um, and meanwhile, um, whole, uh, whole horse, hall horse. God, I want his name to be like hall horse, whatever he is going to, uh, he is going to use his stand at the emperor, um, to fire a bullet at Paul Nareff. Paul Nareff is going to try to strike the bullet. Um, but instead of being yeah. able to swing down and hit the bullet, the bullet is going to change trajectory just a little bit and almost hit Paul Nareff when he is tackled, um, by, um, uh, Avdol. Avdol, Avdol yeah. has silver, ju- silver chariots. Whole thing is that he's a super fast swordsman. So if it were a regular bullet, he could knock it out of air. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Hull horse says that his, his stand emperor the the bullet is actually the stand, so it's able to move independently. Yeah. Um. So, uh, this this bullet is going to start trying to pull its trajectory around again, um, to hit Avdol and or or to hit Polnareff. Um, Avdol is like, okay, well, if the bullet's going to come back at me, I'm just going to bur- burn the bullet in midair. But what he didn't realize, what he he's standing over like a puddle of water that's there for some reason. Um, and uh, the hanged man has appeared behind him in his reflection yeah. and is going to stab him yeah. in the back. And then a bullet is going to come down and hit Avdol in the fucking forehead. And they're going to be like, Oh, it it was a glancing blow, right? As if they've been watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and know that there's well, not usually consequences. And they're I, like... I, I, I actually read that as like them being desperate for it not to be true. I know, but... Uh, but at first, I took it at face value because this is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So I was like, oh, he died. And then at the start of the next episode, Kakyoin's like, he's dead. He's not dead. He's fine. It was just a, a small injury. And I was like, oh, for real? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then it was like he started crying and Avdol doesn't move. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But this was a genuinely shocking moment. And yeah. the reason it, it worked is something that I don't know that we've said specifically. The Hanged Man is not visible except in Reflections. Yep. So he's not like another figure running around. As far as Avdol knew, they were fighting one person. Yep. Because he showed up after the Hanged Man had already disappeared. And so Polnareff, he knows that the Hanged Man's around, but he's focusing on the Emperor. But Avdol, he thinks it's a one-on-two fight, but it's actually a two-on-two fight. And that is fatal. 
Yeah. So um, the next thing that is going to happen is that Polnareff has almost gone into a blind fit of rage because he is so upset about Avdol being killed. He's going to kind of play it off in this really fantastic moment of character building um, where uh, uh, Polnareff is going to pretend like he doesn't care about Avdol and he has his back uh, to Kakuin and he's telling him that he's like, I don't care about this. And then you see like a couple of drips of tears hit the ground and you realize that this is completely effective Polnareff. He is completely bereft and he doesn't know what he is like how he's going to really react in this situation but like you can tell that he is he is very very physically and mentally broken by this attack and this subsequent killing of a character which i did not think was going to happen uh especially not no this was really surprising yeah yeah like uh it's not. It would not be uncommon for most of the characters to be killed in the final confrontation. But again, we're a few episodes, and in the universe of the story, quite quite a ways away geographically from the finale. Mm-hmm. And so it was genuinely surprising when this happened. Yeah. Um, especially because it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like Avdol was preparing to fight, but he was not fighting. Um, And they actually mentioned specifically that Avdol was their biggest concern in the group, which makes sense because he's able to basically send fire all over the place, which would stop the reflection guy possibly from attacking them and could potentially burn up the bullet. So like both of their stands were vulnerable to him and he's gone now. Yep. Um, So uh, Polnareff flying into this rage and being egged on really, really, really obnoxiously um by the hangman um after he's like talking about like killing his sister and about how good she is at like crying and stuff it it was really a very upsetting way to upset another character um yeah effective but not fun to watch yeah it was a lot um but uh is almost flying into a complete rage um, he is going to get into a fight and be overpowered by these two stand users. And the only reason that he's able to get away from them is, uh, because, uh, Kakuin is going to number one, shoot his, uh, his Hierophant green bullets at him to knock him down so that he hasn't hit and just killed by this bullet. Um, and then the second thing that he is going to do is going to drive this car over to him and like skid and open his door so that he can like, uh, get um, uh, get Polnareff to jump in with him. Yeah, they're going to drive away and they're going to talk about what how they can beat the Hanged Man. Specifically, Polnareff doesn't think that they can because he has assumed that the Hanged Man functions in sort of like a parallel world or a pocket dimension or something that essentially there is a world inside of the mirror and that in order to defeat the Hanged Man, they need to access that world in order to fight him head on and none of their stands can do that so there's no way they can beat this guy yeah and kakuin is not convinced about this and he's trying to put something together and then there's going to be a big flash of light that sort of draws his attention and it's going to draw his attention to the fact that the hanged man is now climbing up into the back of their truck and is about to attack them 
Yeah. So it turns out that the hanged man is is uh, jumping around um, inside of reflections. They're going to notice this after they flip their truck. Um, basically, yeah. It seems like it's in the middle. He's light. Yeah. So it seems like they're in the middle of nowhere, by the way. This is a thing that's going to upset me when they introduce a character and also then an entire town in the middle of nowhere for plot reasons, I guess. Um, but anyways, um, they notice that this uh, the hanged man is jumping from reflective surface to reflective surface as light. Um, this little kid is going to show up and he's going to start staring at them and he's going to be like, what's going on, you guys? And they're like, get the fuck <laughs> out of here, you kid. <laughs> and they're, they're, yeah. they're going to be like, get the out of here. Like, and- you guys were in an act. Ac- well, so, so they've like fled the car so that they're behind this like. Uh, mound of dirt so that there's nothing reflective around them and they're like okay we, we need to like take off all of our like buttons and shit anything with reflective on us and then this kid comes over and he's like you guys had an accident do you need help and they're like no we don't need help and he's like but you had an accident and they're like we don't need help and he's like but you're bleeding and they're like we don't need help and he's like but you need help right it's so annoying I fucking hate and this then, kid so much and then Hanged man jumps into the kid's eye because eyes are reflective and is like approaching Polnareff to kill him. And Polnareff is like, kid, don't look at us. And the kid's like, what? And he's like (laughs) staring right at them. And he's like, don't look at us. And they're like running all around. And the kid's following them with his gaze. And they're like, kid, our life depends on this. Don't look at us. And the kid's like, what are you talking about? You're bleeding. (laughs) Okay. So the other thing that gets me about this is that they're like, the eye is a reflective surface, and he's made of light, so he can jump into any reflective surface. I've got bad news for you, everybody. So if you wonder, oh, I'm looking at that rock over there. I wonder how I see that rock over there. The reason you can see that rock over there is because fucking light reflects off of that fucking rock and it jumps back in it comes back into your eye line and goes into your eyes so what you are seeing is the reflection of light off of what is ever is in fucking front of you so if this character actually everything is a reflection yes so if you are this character that can exist in light basically anywhere this character would be unkillable he could be in everything I guess technically he's only able to function on reflective surfaces, but there's still a little bit of a technicality there. Also, yet again, we've taught you science. (laughs) (laughs) It's just slowly morphing into a really weird science podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways... The uh, the next thing that's going to happen is that they're going to figure out that they can uh, they can get him out of this kid's eye by throwing sand into this kid's eye. Um, so they're going to do that. Um, he's going to jump yeah, out. Yeah, they go full Dale Gribble on him. Yeah, and as they he like jumps out of this kid's eye, um, he like slashes with his uh, with his uh, Polnareff's. God, what the fuck? Silver Chariot. And Silver he's Chariot. Gonna, he's going to stab the stand of of uh, Hanged Man, and it's going to kind of, like, go down, and then you see that it had been slashed across the chest. So they're going to run into this town that appeared out of nowhere to try to find the stand user because they hear, like, a I yell from far away. Good- 
I think it's like a desert oasis or something. It looks kind of like some ruins, and yeah. there are some vagrants hanging around. So it's not like a full-fledged town, yeah. but it's a bunch of people here. Yeah. So he is going to see a person that has been stabbed in the chest, and he's just like, this is the stand user. Instead of responding like a normal fucking human being, this person who's been slashed in the chest is just going to be like, ugh, ah, ugh, ah, ah. He's just going to do that a bunch of times because we need this to be the reveal that he is uh-huh. not actually the stand user. The stand user was this other guy that's standing far away, and he's going to throw a fucking knife into Paul Nareff's back, which Paul Nareff gets stabbed, and then it's not going to... Don't worry about it. It didn't actually affect him very much. They just pull it out, and he acts as if it didn't just fucking happen. Yeah, so... uh yeah, they, this is one of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure consequences have no consequences kind of things, where they they often get bloodied and injured, and rarely is it relevant. Like one thing you'll you'll learn if you like read a lot about techniques for writing or if you study writing is that like pretty much nothing should happen if it doesn't have a purpose. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that happens, particularly in this specific instance, a lot of injuries that occur that have no effect on the characters, how they behave, the plot, anything. There, there's no effect. He gets stabbed really hard in the back, and aside from reacting in surprise and pain for a few seconds, nothing comes of it, and that kind of sucks. But uh, there's going to be a sort of annoying and sort of clever trick that the stand user is going to play on them now. Uh, he is revealed, and Polnareff and Kakyoin are like, we're going to come kill you. And he's like, no, you're not. And then he calls over to all the vagrants sitting around, and he's like, hey, these two guys are going to give you money. Ugh. And so the the vagrants all crowd around them in this like press of humanity, so this is a sort of a gambit that um, that allows the hanged man to travel around through their eyes. And basically, the hanged man jumps as a form of light. And as he's jumping, he's able to slash at them. And so he's kind of slashing them up. He's hitting them shallowly, I guess, because he's toying with them. And so they're getting all cut up, and none of the people surrounding them waiting for them to give them money are affected by the fact that these guys are being cut bloody by a force they cannot see and are just kind of blinded, I guess, by the their poverty. I don't know. It feels off. It's kind of a clever play in the context of the battle, but in the context of society, it feels a little icky. And then Kakyoin's going to come up with a somewhat clever, somewhat icky solution. Yeah, he's going to throw a uh, a coin up into the air, and he's like, Hey, all you poor bitches, you can get this coin if you jump after it. The first one that Which grabs it wins. Which is how things work, just in general. I'm just so annoyed. I get <laughs> Yeah, so the coin is reflective, and this is basically all of the reflective surfaces which are the eyes of these men, are going to be looking at the coin, which is going to be then the only reflective surface that has a line of sight on Kakyoin and Polnareff. As such, Hanged Man will be forced to go into it, which means they will know his trajectory because he's got to come from one of these people up into the coin, which will give them the opportunity to slash him. Yeah. So So that's what happens. (laughs) (laughs) So he... He when he's attacking, um, uh, when he is he gets attacked. The thing that happens first is that he gets stabbed across the face. 
like straight up slashed all the way across the fucking face. I have yeah, such which, a problem. Again, with- when that happens to a stand, it also happens to the stand user. Yeah, so the stand user is ostensibly not affected by this. Um he he gets stabbed in the face and then still has the ability to just kind of fucking run away from it as if it didn't just goddamn happen. Um and that that's one of those things inside of this moment where I'm like, I like this episode. I like both of these episodes, but don't do that. You didn't need to do that. It doesn't make any fucking sense to do that. Why did we do that? (laughs) Getting your face slashed in half feels like enough of a, a badass moment of justice to this guy that he could have died right then and there. Yeah. But instead he runs away and they have this completely brief, completely no consequence discussion with him where they sentence him to death and Paul Nareff punctures him a, like a billion times using Silver Chariot, and then it, I guess tosses him into the air, and then the guy's body like falls on a spiked fence, but only partially, and you can have, kind of can't tell because they don't focus on it yeah. in a, a moment of uncharacteristicness, but it does happen if you look really closely. Um, so anyway, then they're going to do a hard cut from that moment, into suddenly Polnareff and Kakuin are back in town and standing in front of Hull Horse, who's talking some shit about how he's going to kill them. Yeah, so he tells them all about how he's not going to be able to stand up to them because he's got the hangman on his side. And they're like, well, the hangman's gone. And he's like, no, he's not. And they're like, yes, he is. And he's like, don't try to fool me. And they're like, we're not trying to fool you. We're just telling you the fucking truth. And he was like, oh, yeah, we well, killed him. He dead. If you're telling the truth, then I'm going to run away. So he tries to run yeah. down this alley where he's confronted guy... by Jojo and Jojo Sr., who just punch him in yeah. the face once. <laughs> Hullhorse is going to think to himself that he has never, ever been the kind of person who fights on his own. He only fights when he has someone watching his back. And he's kind of shown to be a little bit cowardly uh, and that this is sort of a manifestation of that. They're going to punch him down. They're about to kill him when all of a sudden the girl that felt like a completely inconsequential diversion from earlier shows back up the 16 year old girl that's in love with Hull Horse. Yep. She pushes him out of the way of the killing blow and uh, begs that they don't hurt him. She also gets a very minor injury on her elbow that is going to turn out to be super relevant. Um, Hull Horse gets away. They basically decide to let him go because he's too much of a coward to fight them on his own. And they really need to turn their attention on Dio and not on all the lackeys that Dio is sending to distract them. Yeah. And so they manage to do that. Then Jojo senior goes to help the, the girl with the cut on her arm and a little bit of her blood splats on him and they focus on it. And I thought that was weird. And then they kind of turn away and talk a little bit. And then it turns out that it was relevant because then a, a few minutes later, we see the spot on Jojo's arm where the blood hit turn into a mouth that speaks. Yeah. And that's the end of the episode. And that's going to take us into the 38th episode, the last one we're covering today, which is the episode where an old man fights his own arm. Yes. So this episode is the worst episode of the episodes we're going to be watching today. Um, this episode is called The Empress. 
Um, it is. Yeah, man, this is a letdown after the previous two episodes. Yeah, and it's also very frustrating because there's going to be at the part at the very start where you're like, oh, this is going to be such a cool episode because we have yes. all of a sudden this old witch that turns out to be the fucking mother of the person that um that had the the fucking hangman stand. It turns out she has two right hands as well, and she's going to freak out and she's going to like feel the pain of her son who just got attacked, and then she's going to have this weird interaction with a cat where she hits it with a stick um and it's weird <laughs> it's really weird and then she's gonna run off and be like fuckers i'm gonna kill all you bitches then she's we're gonna go into the like, i'm gonna kill you in the the way that you die slowly with the empress which is the name of another stand except then it turns out that as far as i can tell she's not the empress yes and she it's not her stand so i don't know what the hell she's talking about okay. and so- she doesn't actually show up in the rest of this episode yes so she's this great character, but instead we're going to get uh, Jojo Sr., who turns out he got a really nasty case of a herpy. Um, and <laughs> this, uh, this, this, uh, super herp. Yeah, this super herp, uh, as we're going to call it now, um, is actually a stand. Um, I'm going to get through this episode pretty quickly because it's pretty fucking stupid. So this, yeah. this super herp on Jojo's uh, Sr.'s arm is going to slowly become a like weird like half attached stand of grossness that is going to um it's is disgusting. going to start attacking and Jojo senior is going to fight with it the whole time um with his ability it's going to go a couple of times where it yeah. uses his he, ability to like be able to talk to act like it's a, a woman being attacked and summon a cop to where they are it's yeah it's I, also going to speak for Jojo and like give his full name and the information of where he's staying and claim responsibility for a murder. So the idea being that Jojo senior is cut off from the rest of the group. And basically since this tumor thing is a stand, it has to be killed by another stand. And so because Jojo senior stand is just the ability to look at pictures of the future by destroying a camera per picture, he is not going to be able to fight it, and if he can't get in touch with the other people, he will be killed eventually by this stand. Yeah. So this is the next thing that's going to happen. There's one cool thing, which is that we found out that Jojo Sr. also can use his ability to hit other inanimate objects to form the breakdown of something that he needs to know. He does this in sand, and he does it to find a a. a a like jug of coal tar, which is just hanging out inside of an alley in a fucking alley. Yeah. Because, because India. Yeah. And, and then he's just going to like catch the coal tar, weird tumor baby on his arm inside of the coal tar. It's going to harden. And then he's going to rip it out of his arm. Meanwhile, Paul, using his stand, which we've learned. So we, we know the camera thing. It also was able to put together a future prediction by flipping television channels, essentially. Now it turns out that he can also create maps to things he needs in physical substances in the world. And it can generate purple thorns that have enough power to squeeze the life out of an alternate stand. So this is actually a pretty cool and useful stand instead of a fucking stupid one like we've thought it was this whole time. I still think it is. Anyways, um... Well, so he also uses his ham on it one second. It's not effective, but it is cool, and I did feel a little swell of fan excitement where I was like, Ooh, ham on! I know what that is! We need to get some rye, y'all! <laughs> throwback anyways um so uh anyways 
he is going to rip out the stand and kill it, and then he's going to stumble on Polnareff. What's been happening with Polnareff is um, Weird Empress is going to turn out to be a weird tumor uh, herpy baby inside of this woman and been controlling her the whole time. And then it, like, as soon as she's This woman being the 16-year-old girl from the previous couple of episodes who was acting like a 16-year-old girl right up until the moment that she needed to be a stand user, in which case she changed her personality entirely. Yeah, but it's shown that she's not actually controlling herself. She's being controlled by this weird little polyp thing on her tongue. Um, Yeah, so it's kind of okay. Maybe it was the witch who does this. She doesn't show up visibly, but some, like, bloated, horrible, older-woman-looking form pushes out of Nina's body at the end when Jojo kills the other stand. Yeah. That's the end of this episode. It's real weird. It's real dumb. Um, Yeah. They're going to, it's going to lead us into the finale by them getting into a car to drive, I guess the rest of the way to Egypt and another car like turns on and follows them and is kind of coming up on their bumper by the end. So it gives us a little bit of a lead in, but but that's, that's Yeah. We don't really know what's going on. But yeah, it was two good episodes and two not as good episodes this week. So stick with us after the credits. uh, We'll chat about what's going to happen next time. And uh, don't forget, I know we mentioned it at the start, but uh, if you are thinking up some questions to ask uh, random people at an anime convention or coming to an anime convention, we're also going to be there. Um, Anyways, uh, stick with us. We'll be back in a bit. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level 5 sound wizard. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon members get exclusive member content and unlock group perks. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help us chart on iTunes. And remember, new episodes come out every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're back with Hunter x Hunter. It's a rock, paper, scissors tournament with a biscuit. What? (laughs) 